Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls, children of all ages. These are the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Danny Gutierrez. What's going on, Sean? How are you doing? I am not too bad. Danny, how are you? Oh, man. I'm feeling so much better after 206. I <laughs> loved UFC 206. It was amazing. Low expectations for a lot of people for this card, and obviously it delivers. I mean, a very low gate, a very uh, low uh, pay-per-view bias, while I believe uh, the report's coming in that it was only 150 uh, 150,000 pay-per-views sold. Those uh, are some educated fans right there. Those are some educated fans, and they had a great card, one of the best cards of 2016. I was a part of that 150,000 buyout. I was one that uh, did it illegally. Um, <laughs> so I helped, kind of. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, 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 uh, UFC 206 was a fantastic fight card. Uh, we're going to be mainly talking about two fights on this card. We're going to talk about the featherweight fight between Cub Swanson and Duhoi Choi, possibly the fight of 2016, and then we'll also talk about Max Holloway becoming the inter Interim, uh, featherweight champion at uh, 145 pounds and it's most about likely going to be taking on Jose Aldo. It is about time. It is and, about time. And let's jump into the Holloway thing first because, like you said, it's about time. And he even said in his presser where you know it took a while for for this you know division to get going since Connor was holding it up. And you know he was he was calling Connor out pretty much, but not like calling, calling everybody out. Yeah, he wasn't calling Connor out in the way where it's like I want to fight Connor. It was more of you know. There were people here who Get actually your act together yeah, type there, of thing. There were people here who actually wanted to fight, and, Absolutely. and you didn't want to fight. Uh, but now you do have a, a new guard <laughs> a, a, per se with the interim champion in Max Holloway. He's going to be taking on Jose Aldo. The date is unknown. I know they that it was rumored it, to be in Brooklyn. It was rumored to be at, at UFC 28, the uh, the next pay per view after uh, Rousey versus Nunez. But yeah, it, it's it, it's rumored to be 208 because. Even in the cage after Holloway won, he looked. Uh, they they had the mics on him, and they're like 208 in Brooklyn. You want it? Uh, so he he said that in, in the cage. I was, I was gonna. I was about to tweet it out and be like, I'm gonna beat you, Ariel Uh But yeah, 208 is is the uh, targeted date. Uh, but that's not gonna be the set date because they just already do have a title fight on there, so they don't have to shoot for that. Uh, and Holloway even isn't it for out. the inaugural women's featherweight championship? It is, and we'll talk about that a little bit yes, later. We will. Uh, but it really, what uh, 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 Max Holloway was saying was, we can't find Jose Aldo. So where's Jose Waldo? Exactly. So, for, so why don't you first talk about Max Holloway and the importance of him winning, uh, and then how do you like Holloway matching up with Aldo? Uh, the importance of, of him winning—it's you know—it's been a long time coming for someone like Max Bless Holloway. Ten fights in a row in this type of division, in a nasty division like the featherweight division, it's not—it's not an easy thing to do. And he did it against somebody who was bigger than him, someone who missed weight. So it was this win was very important to him, and you saw that in his fight. He 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 utilized angles extremely well. He outkicked the kicker in Anthony Pettis, and he just overwhelmed him in the third round. He fought smart. He fought hard, and it was just. It was just a, 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 an, an amazing performance by Max Bless Holloway. It was awesome. It was a fantastic performance. I mean, I, I, I feel bad for Anthony Pettis the way he performed just because obviously missing He broke weight. his hand on the first punch that he threw, actually. He did, yeah. Right, I think right between uh, his right hand and I think it was his pointer finger, he, he yes. broke it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was still a rough performance from him. But I mean, missing weight, uh, having to deal with all that mentality, that, that mental stuff, and then first off, just not feeling like you're, you're right because you missed weight. The first um, fight is usually cutting weight. The first mm. fight is the scale. The second fight is when you make that walk. And the third fight, arguably, is when you get into that cage and start fighting. Yeah. And, 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 it's a long know, process. Anthony Pettis now saying that he's going to move up to 155 again, which is which looks like the smart idea. Yes. Uh, I think I think 
Pettis can still compete, but it's just more of he's. I think he's got to get in the he's right. He's got to find a home first. Yeah, and I think but 155 is his home since he is the former champion uh, in the UFC. Uh, at 155, I just think that he's got to kind of find his place, kind of mentally uh, there. But Max Holloway, big win over Anthony Pettis, a kind of a landmark. Uh, win in his career getting the belt and, and now he can go on and, and take on Jose Aldo and we'll see when that happens but it should be very interesting. Let's talk about the the other featherweight fight on this card though. Cub Swanson defeating Duho Choi a unanimous decision 30-27, 30-27 29-28 29-28 I mean Danny what a fight. We all talked about Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown but Cub Swanson versus the Superboy Duho Choi stole the show that fight was amazing from start to finish both guys were just throwing haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. Cub Swanson got better at the haymakers, and you see that he he actually trains on his off time with uh, boxing champion Timothy Bradley, and you saw that when he was actually getting struck by Doho Choi. He was utilizing switching of the stances. He was just throwing overhand rights over and over and over again. He even threw a cartwheel kick. He took him down. He he clinched up with him and threw, did a nice uh, judo trip right up against the cage and got right into side control. Cub Swanson was just the better man that night, but what about the heart of Doho Choi? He got cracked so many times, and his face after the fight, he looked like a raccoon after the fight. It was just an amazing fight. He held up. I, I even remember him saying that he just couldn't take anymore and just collapsed and was trying to work off of his back just to survive against Cub Swanson. And even Duho Choi, too, the fact that he didn't get knocked out. and I mean, even Cub Swanson kept saying, his, like... His stock went up in this fight. Yeah. Duho Choi's stock went up in this oh, fight without by a doubt. far. Without a doubt. I he mean, deserves a top, another top five opponent next, I believe. I think so, too. I don't think he deserves a, a rematch with Cub, but I think he definitely either deserves that or maybe a fun fight could be Jer- him versus Jeremy Stevens. That would be a fun Jeremy fight because they knockout artists. That'd yeah. be a f- wild fight. That'd be an amazing fight. Jeremy Stevens is coming off a loss uh, to Frankie Edgar, too, so that might be interesting. Two guys I love on a loss. Frankie, but I felt that Jeremy Stevens got the better of Frankie in that fight. But because it was in New York, they gave the hometown kid the win. But that's neither here nor there. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that Duho Choi and Jeremy Stevens could be a fun matchup though, because you know Jeremy Stevens already in the top ten. He didn't just lose to Frankie Edgar, like you mentioned. But I think I think that could be a, a true test uh, to Duho Choi, where you don't have to face a killer uh, like Cub Swanson. But I think for me, it's up there in fight of the year. I, I think I think Condit and, and Lawler is definitely one of them. I think this fight's definitely up there. And the third fight, I'm not really sure on which one. I mean, I think you could definitely throw in Wonderboy versus Thompson. I think that was a a, a wonderful fight. But I mean, Wonderboy versus Woodley. Yeah, Wonderboy was Wonderboy versus Woodley. I'm sorry, not Wonderboy versus himself. Right. Uh, Wonderboy versus uh, Woodley. I'm sorry. Uh, that at, at 205. But I think that, or, or and possibly Diaz McGregor too. So, I, I, but this is definitely in contender uh, for fight of the year. And the crazy fantastic. thing is, is that this wasn't a main event. This no. was not a five-round fight. This was a three-round war. If it went to five rounds, though, Duho Choi was going out. Yes, he was. Yeah, he, he, I think. He even admitted he, he collapsed at the end of the third round. I mean, that was it. But what heart? Yeah. What heart? The heart of a lion. And we'll definitely see what Duho Choi can do in his future in the UFC because he's definitely going to be around for a long time after that performance. But let's move on a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about UFC 208. We're going to jump over 207. We'll be talking about that uh, next week, possibly. I, I don't know when we will be recording that since it's going to be Christmas, but we will we'll definitely... It'll be Christmas Eve on Saturday. It will be Christmas time. So we will see. We'll be Christmas time. We'll, but, we'll uh, see. Yeah, well, UFC 207, uh, we, we will have a preview for that. We will be doing our picks as we usually do. And 
And uh, we'll, but we'll, we'll jump over there for right now because uh, at UFC 208 in Brooklyn, the inaugural Women's Featherweight Championship fight will be taking place at UFC 208 in Brooklyn. We have Holly Holm taking on Jermaine de Randomay, and I always mess up that name, but uh, Holly Holm taking on Jermaine Randomay uh, for the inaugural Women's Featherweight Championship. And, and a lot of people are, you know, talking and, and, and kind of angered by the fact that Chris Cyborg wasn't the first one to get a shot I know exactly at the what you mean. UFC featherweight championship. I know exactly what you mean, because I felt the same way, but not so much angered, more so confused. Why wouldn't they put Chris Cyborg in a title fight for the 145-pound championship when the sister to a company to the UFC, Invicta FC, she's the champion of at 145, at 145 pounds? Kind of confuses me. I kind of wish that Chris Cyborg would have fought for the title. Well, the the reason why they didn't is because there are rumors and, and articles out there that say... There's speculation. Uh, yeah, well, no, that they offered it to her twice. Uh, they offered the fight to her twice, but what she said was she's not ready to, to fight at, at 145 because in her fight uh, in September against Lena Landsberg, she wasn't ready. She's still not ready and recuperated after that weight cut because it was a really bad weight cut for her. Uh, and, and she, I mean, she looked gaunt and looked like a skeleton on the, on the scale. That was 140 pounds. Yeah, so, I mean, I, she's, she's still not recovered from that weight cut she's still not recovered from that fight so she what she wanted was just a little more time and the ufc where they're currently at they need fights they need pay-per-views and they needed to put a title fight on there so they just jumped over them uh and i think they possibly made this as well because if if pettis and holloway couldn't get done for ufc 28 they do have a title fight uh on this card but let's talk first i mean because obviously cyborg should get a shot and i think she will get the next shot after this fight takes place but talking about this one specifically what do you think about home versus Durandamay. Do you think it could be a good fight? And, I think this and, is going to be a very exciting fight. I think this is a sleeper fight. Durandamay comes from that Dutch style of kickboxing. Uh, Holly Holmes, a championship boxer and championship kickboxer, and she's the 140, the former 135-pound champion uh, chip bantamweight title holder at UFC. It's just, they're both very good strikers. This is going to be a very exciting fight. It's going to be an explosive fight. Yeah, it, it should be an explosive fight, too. And plus with home too, coming off of two losses to uh, Shevchenko and, and Misha Tate. I know she's motivated. She's hungry. She wants to get back into the win column, and what better way to do it with the UFC championship title? And it'd be very interesting to see, too, like how, how, how she does perform, seeing if, it, if it, this might be the end of the road for Holly Holmes' MMA career. But still, we'll if she does this... win this, though, I mean, there's there's two fights that I can possibly see happening. At UFC, if, at UFC 207, if Ronda wins and beats Nunez, I can see... Champion versus champion, 135 versus 145, Rousey versus home two. That would be and explosive. And you could see the rematch there. But That then, would generate a lot of money. That would be very explosive. But then if that happens and Ronda loses and you're, one, leaving Cyborg, uh, you know, pushing her further away from a title shot, and then if Ronda loses, then you pretty much rule out the fact that Cyborg and, and, and Ronda fighting because then you're going to have to I was just about to, to say have, that because you never see that fight ever. Because then you're going to have to have Holly versus Cyborg for the 145 belt. So if Holly wins, and and obviously Duranda May can, can definitely pull an upset here, but if Holly wins, what should the UFC go towards, at it, least for 145? It all depends on how Chris Cyborg handles herself at this point because I think that Cyborg should get the next shot no matter who wins in this fight. Um, she doesn't need to prove herself as the number one contender because she's been the only female at 145 pounds in the world decimating other women in that weight class. It, 
just because that there is a new weight class introduced into the UFC does not rule her out as one of the best 145 pounders in the world. And I'm not ruling these two out either, Holly Holm and Durandamy, because they're both very talented strikers. But I believe that Chris Cyborg is just in a world of her own when it comes to striking in Muay Thai. I think she's just way too powerful for these girls, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to see what happens when these two fight first. We will see what happens, and that one's going to be UFC 208. and That that, that card can definitely be explosive as well. Uh, you talk about the possibility of uh, Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo being on that one and a, a lot of other great fights that they can possibly swirl, swirl around. But let's move on to the f- final thing we're going to talk about, and that's going to be UFC on Fox 22, Van Zant versus Waterson, taking place in Sacramento, California. This one's going to be p- taking place on December 17th, and that is Saturday. And, and Danny, looking at our picks from last week, and we'll, we'll, we'll give a little recap uh, because we, we did that one live, so we weren't able to do, uh, we don't have those recorded. Uh, in, in the welterweight fight for UFC 206, I picked Emil Meek. You picked Jordan Meehan. Yes. I won that one. Yes, you did. Uh, so one o me. Uh, we were both wrong on the Tim Kennedy-Calvin Gastelum fight. We were both wrong. And that was an amazing performance by Calvin Gastelum, let me tell you. Yeah, Calvin, Calvin Gastelum looking great in his middleweight uh, return. Uh, Calvin Gastelum, uh, we both picked Tim Kennedy, though. So we were we were, we were one for one. Danny's 0 for 2. Danny picked Cubs once, and I picked Duho Choice. So we're tied up there. We both picked Donald Cerrone, and we both picked Max Holloway. So a tie. Yeah. So we can't fight. We can't trash talk here. Uh, <laughs> but let's 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 move on and, and, and jump into the picks uh, for UFC on Fox 22. What we're going to look at here first, and uh, you know, th- th- a lot of great fights here. And, and the first one I want to talk about is on the prelim card. Uh, the, the well, the first prelim card on UFC Fight Pass. It's the bantamweight fight between Eddie Wineland and Takeya Mizuzaki. Mizaki uh, Mizugaki. Has, Mizugaki has definitely been uh, struggling as of late, losing I believe his past two fights. Uh, and let me let me just make sure. Yeah, he, he just lost to Cody Garbrandt. He did not lose two straight though. He uh, just lost to Cody Gar- Garbrandt, uh, beat George Roop, but then also lost to Aljamain Sterling, Sterling and Dominic Cruz. So two, uh, three for. Uh, I'm sorry. One for three in his past four fights. So, yes, he is. Uh, against Eddie Wineland, can Takeo Mizuzaki get back on the right side of the win column, or will Eddie Wineland win? If he fights smart and utilizes his range and his superior boxing techniques, yes. If he gets into a brawl, which is what something Takeo Mizuzaki likes to do, he's not as durable as he used to be, then Eddie Wineland is just going to crack him. I, Eddie Wineland is best when he's fighting in the pocket, when he's got a dogfight on his hands. That's when Eddie Wineland likes to, uh, uh, shines and thrives, rather. Takeo Mizuzaki is more of a tactician and utilizes more of a tactical approach to mixed martial arts because he does utilize uh, fencing on his off time to train extra w- uh, to uh, help him utilize distance while he's fighting. So if he utilizes if he utilizes his smarts and his fight IQ, then yes, Takeo Mizugaki can win. But if he gets into a brawl, I think uh, Eddie Wineland just th- has the better of the puncher's chance, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I think I think with this one I'm going to go with Mizuzaki. I just think that since he is such a veteran, I think that with with the way he's been performing, they're both late, veterans. Uh, yeah, Eddie Wineland's a former WEC bantamweight uh, champion. No, yeah, no, I know, but but with Mizuzaki, I, I just feel like you you saw the way he was crushed after his last loss and his last performance, and how he was just pretty much down on himself. And I, I feel like he's going to be motivated to to get back on the right side because Eddie Wineland hasn't had the same struggles as. Uh, Takei Mizuzaki as of late, so I think I think just with the recent performances that are you know the, the fighters that uh, Takei Mizuzaki is uh, lost to you know Aljamain Sterling, Dominic Cruz, and uh, Dominic Cruz's return, I just feel like you know he's been fighting higher level of competition. I think just think that he will he's been uh, fighting be, top five guys and championship level guys. Yeah, I think that he'll be able to get the win here. So uh, I'm picking Takei Mizuzaki. Who are you picking? I am. I will go with Mizuzaki. Smart man. Now let's move on to the he's a pre- smart fighter. 
<laughs> we're going to the prelim card though on Fox Sport One. Uh, the one fight we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about here is a welterweight fight between Brian, Brian Barbarena and Colby Co- Covington. Brian, your Barber- twin, your like, doppelganger. You've called me Brian uh, Brian Barbarena before, uh, but one thing with Bar- Barbarena, uh, I like how he has a win over a guy who's fighting in the co-main event, but yet he is in the prelim card. Uh, but Brian Barbarena on a two-fight win streak, just beating Worley Alves and beating Sage Northcutt uh, on UFC the, the last UFC on Fox. So. Uh, Brian Barbarena taking a Colby Covington. Colby Covington, uh, I believe, coming off uh, two straight lo- two straight wins as well. Uh, so two guys on win streaks here. Who do you like in this fight, Mike? I got to go with Brian Barbarena, man, because I work with him every day. <laughs> I'm going with Brian Barbarena because he is smart as well as very durable. That's why I'm going with Brian Barbarena. Colby Covington has had some wins and some losses in his UFC career, but he, he is on a nice streak right now, a two-fight winning streak. We'll see if he can get it uh, a three-fight winning streak against Brian Barbarena, but I think Brian Barbarena is extremely smart. I think he's going to be... Uh, I think he's just going to be first in every exchange that they that they that they engage in. Yeah, I, I, Brian Barbarella. Brian Barbarina has been f- fighting uh, more high-level guys, in my opinion. Plus, the way that Brian Barbarina has looked lately. And he's lately. been upsetting these guys. Yeah, and, and the way he's looked lately, I think that's going to be a, a big key, too. Plus, I can't look, go away from a guy that I've been told I look like. i got <laughs> I got to root for the guy. Uh, so I'll go Brian Barbarina. We, we, we're agreeing too much, Danny. But let's move on to the main card where I feel like we'll have some disagreements. It's Christmas, Sean. We'll, we'll, have, some di- we'll, we'll, we'll have some disagreements. Uh, but let's move on to the first card. Uh, first fight, I'm sorry, on the main card. It's taking place on Fox. The welterweight fight between Alan Joban versus Mike Platinum Perry. Who you got in this fight? I take. I'm taking Alan Joban. Mo- ma- uh, excuse me. Mostly because he has trained with. Uh, he has trained at uh, Black House. He is. He's fighting from a southpaw stance, and he, he he utilizes his weapons more than Mike Perry does. Mike Perry uses uh, singular punches and singular strikes. It's mostly all power with Mike Perry. He does have that puncher's chance. Every fight starts standing, but Alan Joban is is a much more intelligent fighter. He utilizes his kicks more in his punches. He utilizes combinations, angles, and movement. And he's fighting from that southpaw stance. Southpaw fighters love fighting other orthodox fighters. Orthodox fighters do not, I repeat, do not like fighting southpaw, uh, southpaw stance fighters because of the timing. The timing is off. The timing's different. It's a different fighter. Um, usually when you train with someone else in the gym, they're more than likely going to be an orthodox guy. Alan Joban's that rare breed of southpaw where he could just utilize these angles and get off and uh, with strikes on these very awkward angles you saw the double jab lead head kick that he landed on Bilal Muhammad and dropped him and almost finished him so I believe that's why Alan Joban's gonna win yeah the way that he looked in this last fight that great fight against Bilal Muhammad uh on, on UFC fight until Sanchez first Alvarez uh, the way that he looked in that fight uh, and and his experience in the UFC I think is going to be a key here because Mike Perry I mean while he does have two fights in the UFC, he went up against Hungu Lim, a, where you know that was a a last minute replacement, and, and then he did upset Hungu Lim, but that was early in the first, and then he goes up against a guy Danny Roberts, where neither of those guys looked really impressive in that fight, but Mike Perry still able to get the win late in in, in that. I, I just feel Alan Joban's experience in this fight will be be what wins him for this because he's still a young guy, but he still has experience. He's he, he's kind of in that 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 sweet range where. He's not too old, but he's he's definitely not too young. He is in his he is in his athletic prime right mm-hmm. now. So both both of these guys are. So it's going to be a very explosive welterweight fight. And let's move on now. Two guys that are not in their athletic prime, but two great fighters in their own bantamweight bout between Uriah Faber, who is possibly going to be this his last fight. He's announced that he's going to be retiring, but he's also went on UFC on Fox and said, "I wouldn't rule out a return." So he's kind of a, a little bit wishy washy, but obviously, I mean, this is what he's been doing his whole life. So, uh, but 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 you know. MMA great, 
Uriah Faber, possibly his last fight, bantamweight fight, Uriah Faber taking on Brad Pickett. Will Uriah go out with a win? I mean, it's not a title fight, so probably. In his hometown, I think he's going to be motivated enough to get the win. So, yes, I think Uriah Faber is going to get the win. Not that Brad Pickett can't win, but in his last couple fights, he hasn't looked very good at all. Uh, Uriah Faber is... they, they actually both have similar styles. Uriah Faber is the better wrestler, and they both like to utilize their boxing skills. But Uriah Faber utilizes movement much better than Brad Pickett does. He's a much better he's much better at fighting in the pocket than Brad Pickett, even though that's the type of fight that Brad Pickett loves. Um, and Uriah Faber's got those chokes. He's got those. He's got that wrestling. He's got those chokes. He's 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 just going to be extremely motivated in his hometown, Sacramento, California. See, I can't go wrong with. I can't I can't disagree with anything that you're saying. I mean, and plus, it's not a title fight, so Uriah Uriah's probably going to win. But <laughs> well, his last fight wasn't a title fight either against Jimmy Rivera, and Jimmy Rivera bested him. It's a joke. I mean, he's lost pretty much every <laughs> single title fight besides like two or three. I mean, Uriah Uriah. It's does, been a while. Yeah, Uriah does struggle in title fights, but I think I. I want I want to disagree with you just because we've been agreeing so much, <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, looking at Brad Pickett's history, he's been rough in his past five fights. Yeah, uh, one one and four in his past five fights. Uh, but I mean, hey, I mean, six years ago he beat Demetrius Johnson. Yes, so. he did. I was actually going to say that he does have a win over Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, but that was Mighty Mouse when he was fresh. Yeah, that was that was a long long ago. I I'll go with Uriah Faber. I think I think <laughs> I think the way that he he can perform, and, and I think just the fact that you know, looking at the history of Uriah Faber, I, I just I just think that there's no way he's not going to go out with a win in, in his career. I mean, he's an MMA legend. He he he's a legend in the sport, and I think that there's no way he won't go out with a with a win. I mean, he, he so many times he's been at the precipice of winning a title or, or becoming a UFC champ or becoming the WEC champ. He was always again. scratching the surface, but he could never get it. Exactly. I, I just I just think that it's going to be a win for Uriah Faber, even though I do want to disagree with you. But let's move on to the co-main event here. <laughs> we might disagree on this one, because this is going to be an awesome welterweight I, fight. I, I honestly don't think we will, though. But let's move on. <laughs> welterweight fight, the co-main event. Uh, the, two superstars, pretty much, or two possible superstars uh, in the UFC. C- Super Sage Northcutt, who looks like uh, pretty much a Barbie doll. Uh, taking on <laughs> the Mickey, Ken doll. Yeah, taking on Mickey Gall, the, uh, the destroyer of CM Punk's. Uh, we got Sage versus Mickey Gall. What do you like in this fight? I like both these guys in this fight. Mickey Gall more so. You can't pick both of the guys unless well, you're calling a double KO. I said, I said that's why I said Mickey Gall more so. <laughs> I do really like Mickey Gall in this fight over Sage Northcutt because of the fact that he is he he asked for this fight. He's motivated for this fight, and he's extremely unorthodox himself. Sage Northcutt is unorthodox too. He he. He, he comes from that karate background, and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu that he trains in is extremely situational. He's very smart, and he, he, he looks like a superhero. He looks like he's chiseled out of marble from way back in the day, in the Greek days, where you just where everything was just perfect and there was no body fat. Sage Northcutt looks like an action figure, the perfect Ken doll, if you will. But Mickey Gall is... is stomped on those dreams before like you said with his victory over CM Punk and the victory before that when he was introduced as a prospect from um Dana White show looking for a fight both of these guys actually come from looking for a fight yeah they do. it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting this is going to be the looking for a fight <laughs> Winner here, I think I'm I'm going with Mickey Gall. I have to go with Mickey Gall because he's the he's not only he's a little bit older, he's a little bit more matured. He's smart too, and Sage Northcutt's young. He's he, I, I I Sage Northcutt is extremely young. He's really young. He's fresh. We're gonna see what happens in this fight, but I, I'm taking Mickey Gall. It's, I see the last time Sage fought at, at UFC 200, he did not look that great against Yurike Martin. Neither of those guys did, uh, and it, it was tough watching that fight. And then plus. 
the you know his last fight at, at welterweight against Brian Barberina. I mean Brian Barber Barberina was able to show his jujitsu. He was able to show up his his grappling uh, expertise. And Mickey Gall is a a, a very uh, high level uh, BJJ guy. So yes, I, I think is. it's going to be very very hard to pick against. Mickey Gall and I am going to pick Sage Northcutt because I have to disagree with you. So I'm going <laughs> at least Super once Sage. before the main event. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going. I'm going Super Sage. Uh, last time he fought uh, on a card with Paige Van Zant in December, he beat Cody Fister. So that's what I'm going off of. <laughs> I, I think I think Mickey Gall does have everything, but the, but then again, well, I already know your pick for the main event. But, then, but, so but then again, but then again, with that. Mickey Gall has only had two wins in the UFC against Mike Jackson, who is not a, a UFC fighter at all, not a UFC level comp, you know fighter at all, and CM Punk, who it was his first ever MMA mixed bout. martial arts bout, so, combative bout professionally. So ever. I, I'm gonna go with Sage just because he's had the experience, and I'm not taking this away from Mickey Gall, but I have, I have to disagree with Danny. So let's move on to the women's strawweight fight: Paige Van Zandt taking on the Karate Hottie in Michelle Waterson. Who do you like in this fight? I really like Michelle Watterson because Damn of- it, Danny. <laughs> yeah, were you going to pick Michelle yes. Watterson? It sounded like you were going to pick Paige Van Zandt. Now, I wasn't going to go with Van Zandt, or excuse me, Watterson because of that. I just think that Paige Van Zandt, again, she's extremely young. Not only that, she's got a lot of things going on in her life outside of fighting. She just came off of Dancing with the Stars, and she, the UFC is always promoting her as the pretty face of the UFC. Michelle, the karate hottie, Watterson is the karate hottie, but she can fight. She can crack. She's a very talented striker. She's a karate black belt. She's been doing this for a very long time. Paige Van Zandt's coming off of an awesome knockout victory over Beck Rowlings. She's a wrestler, so her striking is continue is the developing no matter what she's always developing her striking she's always developing other games her uh, excuse me her uh, the other facets of her game and her mixed martial arts game i just think michelle waterson is just a step above Paige van zandt yeah i I have to agree with you here i mean just the fact that michelle waterson does have the experience but she also has i i think the only way that i not the only way but i think i think a reason that Paige could win is possible ring rust for Michelle Watterson because it's been a while since she actually has fought because of injuries that have made a pull out, pull out. Last time she fought was July 2015, and obviously we've seen that ring rust has been a thing. And I mean, one big, I you know, one big kind of you know person that sticks out was obviously Tim Kennedy, who just lost to Kelvin. So I think that I, I'll go Paige. Do it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll go Paige. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go with, with with Super Sage, and I'll go. I'll go with Paige Van Zandt. I just think that possible ring rust from Michelle Watterson. Um, I mean, she, she and you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, there she, have been a few guys just like John Jones. When John Jones came back against Ovin St. Preux, that was over a year layoff, and he 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 looked good, but he didn't look as unorthodox as he usually does. And and she wasn't able to fight in uh she wasn't able to fight in 2015 because of a knee injury. Uh, I think if if Paige does attack the legs early and, and, and you know goes goes to leg kicks and possibly makes her feel uncomfortable on those that, that knee, I think that. She could win. I think if it goes to the ground, it's Watterson's game. I think that if it stays standing, you think if it goes then... to the ground, it's Watterson's game. I think Paige Van Zandt is the is the much better grappler in this aspect. I mean, most of Watterson's wins come from submission. She's a black belt. But where... That was due to her striking. Yeah, I. But but also, I mean, Paige is only a blue belt in, in, in BJJ, and then obviously, and that usually doesn't matter because BJ, BJ Penn was able to submit guys as a white belt thing against black belts. But he earned his. But BJ also, Penn earned his black belt in a ridiculous amount of time. But... He's he's also the prodigy. Yes. But <laughs> and Paige Van Zandt is the prodigy. Uh, but I I I just think that. 
Michelle Waters and I, Paige Van Zandt. Paige Do you think she's going to be rusty coming in? I'm just, I think she's going to be rusty. I can see I that, that argument. I think that Paige is going to be able to, to knock her uh, around and make her feel uncomfortable in the cage. So I'll go with Paige just to disagree with you. So we're disagreeing <laughs> on two of them uh, because Danny picked my guys first. So maybe, out of maybe, pure spite. Ma- out of pure spite, ladies and gentlemen. For UFC 207, <laughs> for UFC 207, I'm picking first. I'm giving my picks first, and then you could disagree with me. How about that? How about that? That sounds fair. Anyways, that's going to be a great great fight card anyways. But uh, we, we agreed on most of the fights that we picked here. Uh, the only ones that we disagreed with were uh, Sage Northcutt versus Mickey Gall. Danny going with Mickey Gall. I'm going with Sage Northcutt. And, uh, in, in the main event... Danny picked Michelle Waterson, and I'm picking uh, Paige Van Zandt due to ring rust. Uh, I think that I think that's what it will say. Paige Van Zandt defeats Michelle Waterson due then, to ring rust. Due to ring rust. <laughs> uh, but next fight card hashtag ta- due to ring rust. <laughs> next fight we'll be talking about is UFC 207. That is Nunez versus Rousey. Also on that card, we got Dominic Cruz versus Car- Cody Garbrandt for the bantamweight title of the world. We also have Fabricio Verdum versus Kane Velasquez. The two. rematch. The rematch, and it's not in Mexico City, so Kane might be might might not be gassed. Um, <laughs> then we also have uh, Bantamweight away fight between TJ Dillashaw, Dillashaw and John Lineker possibly you know re- who re- who really should be fighting in the in the, the possibly event. number one contendership bout for well, the bantamweight title. TJ is the number one contender. He should be the number one contender. He should be fighting against Dominic Cruz, but Cody has markability. <laughs> Cody can talk. I mean, TJ when he tried to f- trash talk against uh Dominic Cruz got ma- it made look like he was a you know a 3-year-old. Uh we also <laughs> on that card uh, we have Johnny Hendricks taking on Neil Magny, which would be a fa- fantastic card. But we also have the return of the stun gun. We have uh, Dung Hugh Kim coming back, and he will be taking on Tarek Safferdine. So we have a fantastic card. We also have the Tim return Means of versus the, Alex o- Oliveira. The return of both guys, both welterweight guys. Dung Hugh Kim, Kim is coming back, and Tarek Safferdine. They're both coming back after very long lay- layoffs. So it should be an absolutely fantastic fight card, and we cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably be doing it next week. We'll probably skip next week just because of uh, Christmas, but we'll just say we're skipping it. But if, if you get a if you get an episode, then hey, who ca- I mean, Merry Christmas, Merry folks. Christmas, exactly. Uh, but, It'll be a surprise. But for Danny Gutierrez, I'm Sean Anderson. These have been the MMA minutes. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.